Hello and welcome to the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Joe. Hi, hello. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to remind y'all to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. And if you'd like to reach out to us, you can send an email to professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. With that would like to take a moment here to introduce my guest. Joining me today is Amy Clark. Amy is the creator of momadvice.com, her blog where she shares books, recipes, frugality, and living the good life for less. She also hosts the Book Gang podcast where you can find a whole host of book recommendations to build out your TBR. Amy, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a treat. I'm so excited you're here. It's it's just a joy to see the work you do and to get the chance to talk with you. Um, we are on an upcoming episode of your podcast, and we wanted to, you know, roll out the red carpet and say, hey, come tell us a little bit about what you do, because I know our listeners will absolutely devour your work. So can you tell us a bit about mom advice and then book gang? Yeah, sure. So I have been a content creator for 19 years. I am basically the artifact that is brought out and wheeled out at old mom blog conferences where they're like, look at this woman a long time ago. (laughs) We had this thing called blogs. Um, But I started in that space doing DIY craft and food. I in particular really explored frugality on our site. And it was really because my husband lost his job during the dot-com bomb and we Mm. were struggling financially. So we were, you know, trying to make our ends meet and thought, why don't we just take people on the journey with us? My husband's in tech. That's why I knew how to do a blog, because that's always the first question. Like, why would you pick that up? Um, But he was hard coding all of the articles for me and said, you know, it would be really helpful if you kind of figured out how to do this on your own. And I have a really great idea for you. So I started blogging and I was working for a lot of big brands. I worked for Kenmore for many years as a spokesperson, Walmart, um, all the all the usual suspects. And I ended up facing some health challenges around the age of 38 and just found the work to be really physically hard. There's a lot that goes into content creation from photography aspect, food styling, buying all the materials. It was just a really exhausting hamster wheel of content creation. And one aspect of our community that we had on the site was books. And that was something I could do when I was having a bad health day, I could sit down and curl up with a book. And so as I continued to face difficulties, it was a conversation that I had with my physical therapist where she said, you know, this isn't ideal. What you're doing is not ideal for your body, your situation right now. And I'd really like to see you go more voice driven. I'd like to see you utilizing your voice more, getting off the computer, not doing such physical work. And so I was pretty bedridden in 2020 and decided, you know what, I'm going to teach myself how to podcast. Um, It's something that I knew how to do from working with other brands. There is a new learning curve. I think there's new technology back then. I mean, I was probably logging in from a phone and Skype, you know, it was not, it was not (laughs) a high tech operation, but I had a feeling for how to do it. And I had, you know, the drive to do it because I wasn't willing to not do this, but the community has really rallied around the book content. And I knew that that would be a niche that I could grow. And it has grown a lot. Our book club has over 5,000 members in it. And the Book Gang podcast is a newer edition, but we've been cultivating book content for a long time. It's just a new medium. 
That's amazing. I mean, first, 19 years. <laughs> I, I, th- there are so many. First, I want to say congratulations, because that alone is just like, I can't imagine doing anything for 19 <laughs> years. That feels so wild, but so impressive. And and then to know that, like, I don't think anyone ever thinks about the work that goes into content creation. I mean, like you said, physically, it was it was too demanding on you. How hard was it to make that, to make that kind of switch? Like just, you've been building this brand for so long. And then what at that point you're at, like at least 15, you know, 15, 16 years as you're starting to feel the fatigue. Yeah. I felt like, honestly, I'll just be very candid about it. I was aging out of the market. I think that they were looking for younger moms to start marketing to, which is disappointing because I think that we are a demographic that is actually like has the money to purchase things. And, you know, we do as much in the market as other moms. But I think that as, you know, the everything moves towards photography and social, they are looking for a certain look, a certain age demographic. And I understand that. So I knew that I was going to be facing some hurdles with that. But um, I think that for a while I had a little bit of an identity crisis because so much of my content and my brand was based on frugality and what I did for other brands and, you know, constantly traveling and doing all of the work that I got to do with media tours and stuff like that. It was really exciting work. And this is a little less, you know, exciting. It's exciting in its own ways, but I am working from home and I don't have the traveling. So I had to make it creative for myself. And, you know, because I needed to make that such a stimulating creative environment, it made the content creation a little bit different just because I was willing to do new things with it. Absolutely. I mean, at first, I couldn't agree more. It's it's very interesting that brands are trying to shape all influencers into the same box that moms are uh, moms are or parents are different across the board there mm-hmm. is no one parent i mean my my sister you know my my niece is you know it's very young and the idea that she is not being marketed to because she has aged out of like mm-hmm. the flat tummy tea demographic is is wild i mean yeah, it's it's sad, but also on the flip side, right? Books are accessible to everyone, or or to just about everyone, whether it's through your local library, your community bookstore. You can make a great community around that. And while it doesn't have the maybe the glamour of travel, you know, as the world starts to open up, maybe we'll start to see each other at book conventions and you know the cons that are kind of coming back to life. So the glamour's in there. It's yeah. just a it's a little different or a little less in your face when you know, Ken Moore isn't sending you on a, <laughs> yes. isn't sending you on a tour. It was, it was good glory days. Let's just say that. And, uh, totally. you know, I, I will say it had prepped me for being able to do the things that I do. I mean, if I wouldn't have had that kind of background, learning how to interview people or have conversations with people online, there is something, you know, that you have to refine with that. And, and that comes with time. It, it was having patience with myself to understand the technology behind it. Because again, I am at a demographic that I don't really want to learn new technology, <laughs> <laughs> but I did. And I'm really thankful for all the YouTube bros that like taught right. me online because without YouTube, I just don't think I would have ever tried it the the amount of times in my week that I go okay there is there is someone online who is going to explain to me how I can edit this in audacity I will find them <laughs> and they will help me <laughs> I 
Agreed. I am I am so inspired by your story because it is important to just to share that message of like you can carve out your own space and when you do that you find your tribe you find the people who want to join you and and that to me will always be exciting. Now you mentioned Book Gang is a newer addition to kind of the mom advice family uh part of that that growth how did that come about how has the learning curve been tell us a little bit about what we could expect when we listen to an episode. Yeah, so Booking celebrates under the radar books, backlist books, and debut novelists. So the books that you are going to hear on there, some of them you may be familiar with, or you may not be familiar with it because we want to introduce you to those voices. Um, I wanted to explore getting curious about bookish topics too. There is so much in the world of book talk and bookstagram and booktube, and also, you know, what is it like to be a publicist? What is it like to be a literary agent? How do you do that kind of work? And so it goes beyond, I think, the scope of just giving you book recommendations. The goal is to enhance your reading life. So one example would be that this summer we decided to figure out ways to help readers read better. I think that we all are a little bit overwhelmed at times with book recommendations. I mean, we have more recommendations at our fingertips than we ever have before. But how do I facilitate reading in my life, particularly after the pandemic? I think a lot of people are a little bit tired and weathered from this whole thing that we've been through. And our concentration levels are at an all-time low because we have so many things to distract us. We have so much at our fingertips. And so I decided to bring on an ADHD coach to come on and explain, like, how do I get my brain to work when it's, you know, constantly thinking about other things? We also had on a cleaning expert to talk about how to clean better or more efficiently so we had more time to read. So it's thinking about reading topics in a way that is also keeping in mind that you probably have a lot of book recommendations and there are so many podcasts even like yours that can give people recommendations, but how can we enhance your reading time? How can I help you read better, read more efficiently, um, make it work in your lifestyle? I think a lot of times people think, oh, I could never do audiobooks, for example. But when we talk to the ADHD expert, she was giving us some different tips. Like for example, this is just a really fun fact that I learned that I think maybe might be helpful to someone who struggles with that is that you should always have a tandem activity going at the same time. Now, a lot of times that might be cleaning or things like that around the house, but then there's also that idea that, you know, I could play a game of solitaire while I am doing the audiobook, and that keeps my brain engaged because if I don't have two cylinders going, I get distracted. I'm not paying attention to my book. And so it's teaching people how to enhance their reading life. Also, like just to keep adding on to that point is that we have to tap into the ways that our brain works and what we're into. So, for example, there are seasons where moving to print copy makes a lot of sense because you're like, I'm so overwhelmed with my phone. My social media is driving me nuts. So you move to print. But then there's other times where you're like, I need that stimulation. So moving to the Kindle app, for example, on continuous scroll might be a better trick for your brain. So it's thinking about the way that you interact with your books to fit where you are right in that moment. Instead of thinking about it as I can only read on this format, think about what am I doing right now and how can I tap into that so that I can make my habits better? 
That's that's fantastic advice. And right, there's a, a great episode to jump into right there. Find ways to make reading work for you. I, I know when I am kind of showing people Libby, um, one of the big things we say when we dive into kind of uh, the reading appearance settings is make the book work for you instead of the other way around. And that is the big approach just with reading in general, those ebooks, those audiobooks, which is, I, I mean, my brain is, I am listening to an audiobook while I'm doing 12 other things. And I'm never missing anything in the book because there's a lot going on at the same time. It's time to make dinner. It's time to clean the house, but I'm, I'm still getting my stories in, but right. Switching to that print copy. I mean, if I need to read for an author I'm interviewing, I almost always request the print early access title mm -hmm. because I can look at that and go, you like, not only is it a physical reminder of you have to do this because this person will be basically in your living room in 20 minutes. It's also just like the format that resonates to me when it's time for a conversation. Completely agree. Different seasons for reading that, that really speaks to me. Amy, before we talk about the uh, book club for 2023, I wanted to ask you some questions just from a nosy podcaster. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. So when I say public library, what comes to mind? Public library? My childhood. That's what comes to mind. Um, my dad worked swing shift when I was a kid. And the one thing that he always like held accountable, not the only thing, but it was very, very important to him that he took me to the public library. And yeah. so all of my best memories are with my dad going to the library as our weekly event. And we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So that was like the one thing that you could like splurge on. So when yeah. I think about the public library, I think about all of my memories of going with my dad there every week. I love that. Um, what are you reading or listening right now? Oh my goodness. Well, right now I am reading Bunny, which is kind of this TikTok sensation book. It reminds <laughs> me a lot of Mean Girls. So okay. if Mean Girls uh, resonates with you, it's darkly satirical and it is very similar setup where a girl is kind of enveloped by these girls. But the way that she like describes these girls is so descriptive like she describes one as a cupcake but not with the cheap supermarket frosting with the soft light bridal frosting and that she's so beautiful that she just wants to take her fork and put it like in her shoulder because it's it's so <laughs> it's so descriptive and yeah. so strange and everyone keeps talking about it as being one of their favorite surprise books and it's an older backlist book so i definitely am enjoying it right now it's it's probably not for everyone i just want to say that but it is for me and uh, no ab that's that you said all of the words that i go ooh, my brain liked that that is <laughs> that is going on the list <laughs> Uh, do you have a TV show you're binging right now? I know time is a precious commodity, but. Well, no, I, okay. First of all, I just want to say this to any mom who's like listening that every single week I take myself to the movie theater by myself. That is my treat to myself. I do not invite anyone else to go with me. They do not have to attend. I get a big popcorn and I take myself to the movies, 
But the show that I'm watching right now is Succession. I'm a little late to the Succession game. I did not think it would resonate with me. I don't, don't like evil people just doing bad things. But I think it's so far removed from reality that I can separate that and actually appreciate it for what it is. It is phenomenal acting. If you haven't picked it up, highly recommend it. Once again, that is the kind of that that's what I needed to hear because I also haven't watched it yet or, yeah. you know, because it, it's the same thing. Like I evil for the sake of evil isn't isn't my usual, but I, I can get into it with that. It's just like next next level, basically, or otherworldly. Uh, what was your most recent movie date with yourself? Um, let's see. What did I go see? I went and saw Harry Styles because he starred in the My Policeman, which I read the book too, and oh. I highly recommend reading the book. I think it's out on Prime because, of course, it came out on Prime the week after that it was out at the movie theater, but I <laughs> I do not regret my experience with that. I will say for those that might want to read it, the book is Closed Door Romance and the, um, the movie is not, so you may get two different experiences with that, but I felt like they were both really beautiful. I love the idea of taking yourself on a on a on a me time date that's that's my favorite thing to do just pick you know whether I'm going out to a restaurant instead of ordering in and sitting there alone and like listening to something or going for a pedicure or any number of things it's just nice to have that one thing a week that's only for you it's true do you have a favorite go-to restaurant Oh, go to restaurant. Um, You know, I try to eat locally. So I would say that we have a really nice little Italian place here in town. I am a food food blogger though. So, and I'm also frugal. And so we don't eat out as much as probably we could because (laughs) I know how to make it at home. So I will say that we eat a lot of very glamorous meals at home. And we also eat some really terrible meals at home. I will also admit to chicken nuggets if you need to hear that too. (laughs) Let's see, anything you are working on right now that you're excited to talk about? Um, Well, how much time do I have? (laughs) As much as you want. (laughs) Well, I am in the thick of the Mom Advice Book Club year. Um, And that is what I'm really excited to share about with you. I truly, genuinely, I'm so proud of this project. It's been many years in the making and we are right on the cusp of our announcement. So we announce every year on December 1st, our book club books. And I love talking about it because I think that it is for sure my passion project right now. Um, One thing I think that makes our book club maybe a little different than some of the other ones, like the really big ones like Jenna and Reese, which do a phenomenal job. And um, I think it's really great. But because we are mindful of library users and also people who are living on smaller budgets, we cultivate and announce all 12 book selections at the same time. So it is a different kind of experience because you're able to put those library holds on right when that announcement happens and get those copies so that you don't have to wait for those slow release you know which is great for a reveal but sometimes it's really hard to get a copy of books when so many people are excited to read the same book so this lets you take advantage of bookstore sales um, and we also do it in this way because we involve the authors in the conversations around the books and we want to make sure that they are committed and that they are able to also um, issue a commitment to us to be part of the book club and so we 
it's a really big process of of curation because I'm I'm the only one who screens all of the books and over the years I think word has gotten out that you know this is a good book club to be in which is wonderful and we are so thankful for it um but that also means that we're getting a lot of submissions and a lot of debut novelists or books that are more under the radar that would really like to be seen and that really added a new dimension to challenges because it, it's hard to say no to anyone because you want every author to succeed, but we're also trying to cultivate a year that's going to allow people to explore lots of different genres. So our book club doesn't sit in any single genre. We really want our readers to read diversely and we want them to get acquainted with new genres too. So for example, in October uh, of this year, I won't say that it was a hit with everyone. I will say it was a hit with half of the audience, but we tried weird fiction, which is basically fiction around Lovecraft, monster stories, that kind of thing. And we met with Sean Hamill, who had written this really phenomenal story, and it's a little under the radar, but he had been blurred by Stephen King, and it said um, he was the John Irving, if, if John Irving ever wrote horror, and that is what sold us on the book idea and the bookseller who provided it. So we you know, highlighted that and we pushed people outside of their typical genres. And there were a lot of people that had never even heard of weird fiction. So it gives us a chance to introduce them to all different kinds of genres. So for this year, we have 12 selections, and then we have three additional bonus for our patrons where they can immerse themselves in the books um, together. Instead of it being a little bit more book club set up, it will be more you know, driven to set up friendships and community building in those three aspects. But we do everything. I mean, this year we have memoir, we have literary fiction, we have young adult, which is also something that's always a surprise when people are like, oh, I would never read young adults. We like to tell them like, you might like this book. And it usually ends up being a favorite of the year. Um, We've got mystery, we have sapphic romance. I mean, there there is nothing off the table as far as um, book club goes. It just is limited to the fact that we have 12 books and we have to narrow it down that way. So our book chats are set up in a way that I feel like are appealing to busy people because, Mm -hmm. again, um, this is just going back to my headspace and how I feel a lot of people are feeling right now is that after at first during the pandemic, Zoom was wonderful. And now Zoom is very exhausting and people don't Mm -hmm. want to turn on cameras. They don't want to be involved in that way. And I I think we all just kind of got a little bit tired of that. And our chats have always been typed. And I thought, you know, maybe during the pandemic that might change, but people were like, we're really tired. <laughs> we don't want to do that. We we really like the type chats. So what we do is we host our book club. It's the Mom Advice Book Club. You can find it on Facebook, but you click the events tab and you'll see all the events for the year uh, starting probably in January. I'll have everything listed but you just RSVP to the event and each individual question is, you know, shared as a post. So we've got Q1, Q2, Q3, so people can interact. But what I love to do with those, you know, chats is that we immerse you further. So I usually have a gathering of about five to seven 
different news headline articles that are going to cultivate that chat further. So for example, we we read, um, it was 100 years of Lenny and Margot, and that is set in a hospital setting at Glasgow Hospital. And we all loved it, but I was hunting for some information on it. And it's like, oh my gosh, this art therapy program was expanded just today. Uh, there was a garden added for art therapy. And that's exactly what we're studying today for our book club. And so we get to bring in and weave in, you know, really interesting things. Uh, the flowers in that, the bouquet that was on the cover of it and within the book, we discover the symbolism behind those flowers. Why? are yellow flowers important and how are they different in different cultures? And so being really curious about the world and, and the content in those books together gives us more of an immersive experience, even though you're doing it typed. And you're doing it typed, but maybe you're doing it while you're running your kids to an activity, you can still be part of something and all of those events stay there forever. So if you read it late, you can still come back go into that event, answer, reply, interact with people, and they're always there. So it fits with your lifestyle. Bonjour. This is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food. So come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. I mean, all of this is is so special. Like, from the the first point where you were saying that you're challenging everyone's kind of genre picks it's it, it's not one style of book club this is is challenging you it's making you experience something new like the people who at first go Ugh, not YA then I go no once once you're like a reader reader you know that you're gonna turn to YA regularly but I I also love the idea that it's there forever. So if someone decides, I really like this book, they're probably paying close attention when someone new pops up and says, I finally read this book that you talked about three years ago, and I loved it because of XYZ. And that person is like, I have a new moment to engage. Exactly. That's and so you know, cool. the same thing can be said about the Patreon. I think, mm -hmm. again, I, I, I think author chats are great if you can do them as book clubs. But <sighs> the reality is, that few people are available at the same time. And it can be a little embarrassing if you're hosting a chat and maybe two people can show up that evening and you've promised a really big group and that doesn't happen. And it's because we're all busy and I know mm -hmm. authors understand that, but I also find that all very distracting. When I'm trying to have a conversation with an author and there's yeah. 15 people in the room, how do I facilitate something that is gonna be memorable that we can also go back on and you know, not hear everybody's kids and clatter in the background and that kind of thing. And I know there's ways to mute it, but it, it just is a lot 
for the author and also for the person who's hosting that conversation. So what we decided to do is we connect with the author. So for 2023, we have 11 out of 12 of them have agreed to do wow. an hour sit down interview. And what I do is I will spend like, honestly, a day or two watching every interview they've done, trying to understand uh, maybe some of the motives behind the things that they've been doing with their writing. And we get a chance to talk about the book from beginning all the way to the end, spoilers, everything. Because I think sometimes too, they have to do these press circuits or they have to present a certain you know amount of mystery behind their book. But knowing that they can talk that ending through and that is with a group that's already read this book, then they have the op option to do that. And, you know, because we aren't having the same conversations over and over, if I see that they're kind of in that same set of answering those same five questions, which are lovely and important for facilitating conversation, we're going to assume that you already know a good bit of that, or we will drop it into a post and you can read that little bit of information. And like, let's see what's happening beyond that. Like, what was it like for you writing during a pandemic? You know, how did you get through those moments? How did this, you know, particular conversation spark your creativity? I noticed that this book was really important to you or told you that you should expand the story. So like, going beyond those kinds of things allows authors to get out of those, you know, kind of same loops that they're having those same conversations. And it's like you see the, that spark happening within them because they finally get to talk about something beyond the, the two or three talking points that every group is doing. You know what I mean? I know you understand this. Absolutely. Because it is so magical when you see that moment where they go, oh, you're not asking me what all of the names of the characters are. And there is a list of things you have to try to hit if you are their first listen of this person, but you, you got to challenge yourself to go past that or to go like, okay, I know you've been asked this a thousand times. This was your answer. Do you still feel that? I love to do that, that you pull up one of their interviews and go, oh, you said your favorite musician was, <laughs> was this, has that changed? But also is that who inspired this character? You know, just, just something beyond beyond the norm. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's a good balance of trying to give them something new and also just having that that end end conversation because a lot of times I feel like you forget the ending or you don't get a chance to talk about that or you're not really sure what, where the the author was going and trying to interpret that. So, it's nice to hear them talk about it and get to share that with our group. And again, going back to busy lifestyles, those are recorded in video, but they're also recorded in audio. So if people only can do that on their in their car with running kids or whatever they might be up to, they have that option too. But if they'd like to see that author, they have that option as well. And then the one last thing I have to share that I think really makes it unique, and then I promise my, my spiel will be over, but uh, one thing that I am really particularly proud of is that I have a background in music and I've done like musical theater and violin. And I was like for a very short time, a little DJ for a little bit, but I love music. And so what we do too, is we provide our patrons a playlist of music and it's all themed around the book. And we take it chapter by chapter and narrate it through song. So it's it's been a really fun little side project and it allows me to like use my creative space that I felt had been turned down a little bit and use it in a different way and it's been really really lovely to kind of narrate that and then share that with the authors when we get them done 
That's so magical because I think music is always the missing piece. Um, I, I, I honestly, a, a wild thing to come out of my mouth, but I remember like in 2012 when 50 shades was having its big moment that, um, James put out an album like through iTunes that was all of the music from the first book, anything that that Christian had played. And that, because, you know, I had to pick it up at the time because everyone was reading it. And the moment I could turn that music on and go, oh, that's what this song is? Because yeah, I could have looked them all up. But then the idea of actually taking a moment to go, this is what this chapter inspired in me. That's got to be really creatively fulfilling for you. It is really fun. I think that if the themes get really heavy, I try to think of something in opposition of that. So let's say we are doing this memoir that was about a woman's medical journey and, and her diagnosis. It was very... Uh, exhausting to read but necessary to read then i don't want to like narrate that to music because that's just gonna like make you feel more depressed so we did an all things calm playlist so it was something that after you got done it was like a bridgerton orchestral type of music that would allow your headspace to clear after reading it so keeping in mind that sometimes there are times where music doesn't necessarily help the situation or you can be open to interpretation and and try like short story songs or things like that where you have more freedom with it instead of getting really really like you know in the nitty-gritty of what that is <laughs> you're not doubling down on the sad and saying okay y'all we're gonna be depressed now and just cranking <laughs> it to 11. no i i think it's important that kind of almost like aftercare moment of just like all right, let's let's take a moment to reflect on what we just experienced together. But now this can at least bring us back to neutral. And from there, you feel a little more confident and going, okay, I feel good again. Now I can put on the fun upbeat song or now I can watch this goofy TikTok my friend sent me and not feel like I didn't give the memoir its moment and myself a moment to process that. Yes, absolutely. Your patrons are incredibly lucky. That is that is such a treat that I think more people need to embrace. I, I'm lucky. They're they're amazing, and and they let me do all the weird things that I need to do with my books so that we can all have fun together. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, when you love something, it shows, and people want to be around that, and that's that's what's so exciting. Amy, before you talk about some of the books you're going to share from the book club and then from your list. Where can everyone find you online? And of course, we'll link in the description, but just just so they can hear it here and now. So you can find me on momadvice.com, and that is where you will find the list of all the books. They will be right at the top. And then you can also find me on Mom Advice Book Club on Facebook. Just click to join the group, and I will, of course, let you in. And you can find me wherever you stream podcasts. I am Book Gang, if you're looking for me online. So exciting. All right, Amy. So anything you want to share from 2023's book club? Oh, I have two perfect winter picks since that is our discussion today. Excellent. So listeners, not only did we get to hear about all of the wonderful work that Amy does, she has also come with some fantastic books. Uh, we're theming vaguely around winter atmospheric reads. So either something you're snuggling up to or something that really lets you know that it is cold outside. If you want to dive in with your first pick, Amy, I'd love to have it. 
Yes. So this is actually going to be for December of next year. So I am telling you the very final <laughs> pick, but it was such a perfect winter read that I have to talk about. And I just finished it. So it's pretty fresh in my mind. It's called The Memoirs of Stockholm Sven. And I pulled this quote because I think it perfectly sums up what this book is about. It is quite something to feel sure that you're alone in the world and then to recall that you are not. So this is why I decided to pick it. It's a beautiful historical fiction book. It's set in the early 1900s. So we are avoiding the World War II. We are avoiding the Holocaust. It ends kind of in that space, but it's more a uh, background hum instead of that being the focus of this historical fiction book. It's perfect winter setting. It's a man who is seeking solitude, but finds his chosen family instead. So in the early 1900s, Sven leaves Stockholm to seek adventures in Svalbard, a Norwegian archipelago, and I totally had to look that up to make sure I said it right, in the Arctic Ocean, where he hopes to see the northern lights and be at one with the Arctic wilderness. Unfortunately, his plans dramatically change when he's involved in a very devastating mining accident. Not only does it take the lives of everyone around him, but it ends up making him disfigured and he decides to flee even further into an even more remote location and in this quiet place he lives a life of solitude in a hut with only his dog as a companion years into this isolation he forms a reluctant friendship with a scottish mining executive and a reclusive finnish trapper and these two men expand sven's world beyond his life as a recluse and it grows even further when a correspondence with his sister brings unlikely visitors into his life now this is a fictional memoir but it's combined with a harrowing adventure story that challenged me in all the best ways sven is so fully fleshed that you will feel so immersed in this imagined history for a real life person, which there are very few facts about and that the author decided to expand upon. Now, Sven is introverted. He's bookish. He's surprisingly funny. It does not necessarily read like a period piece, but it also reads like a classic. So if you like classical literature and you're looking for something that's more modern day, that will fit the bill. It's richly imagined. It's described in such beautiful ways that I honestly highlighted my entire book and the bond between Sven and his dog. If you love like man and dog bonding, which I totally do, this story is super magical. It's intended to remind us that even in inhospitable conditions, we are not beyond the reaches of love. I do want to say that Nathan L. Ian Miller is joining us to discuss his writing process. And I think it's notable because he has an MFA in creative writing, an MS in environmental studies from the University of Montana, and he's a former resident in the Arctic Circle Expeditionary Program. So if you want a little solitude in the Arctic, definitely check out the memoirs of Stockholm Spen written by Nathan L. Ian Miller. Wow. I the discussion around that is going to be fantastic. And to hear his inspirations and and with a background like that between creative writing, but then also the sciences, that is that's yeah. going to be cool. <laughs> it, it's so beautiful. I, I can't even, it was such an unlikely selection for me. Like it wasn't something I would normally gravitate towards. And when I picked it up, I was like just reading sentence after sentence out loud and just being like, this language is so 
unusual and descriptive and beautiful. And um, Nathan L is actually a farmer, if I'm not mistaken. And I reached out to him to see if he would do the interview. And he replied something very like writerly, like it was like, <laughs> you know, I'll help you in between caring for the farm and scribbling, you know what I mean? And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is amazing. Like even the way he responded to me feels like a period piece and I love it. <laughs> I love that you found like the one person who returned from the past. <laughs> exactly. So my first book is one that I'm sure many of you have read already. And this is a book I will be returning to this year. This is One by One by Ruth Ware. Getting snowed in at a luxurious, rustic ski chalet high in the French Alps doesn't sound like the worst problem in the world, especially when there's a breathtaking vista, a full-service chef, and a housekeeper, a cozy fire to keep you warm, and others to keep you company. Unless that company happens to be eight co-workers, each with something to gain, something to lose, and something to hide. When the co-founder of Snoop, a trendy London-based tech startup, organizes a week-long trip for the team in the French Alps, it starts out as a corporate retreat like any other, presentations and strategy sessions broken up by mandatory bonding on the slopes. But as soon as one shareholder upends the agenda by pushing a lucrative but contentious buyout offer, tensions simmer and loyalties are tested. The storm brewing inside the chalet is no match for the one outside, however, and a devastating avalanche leaves the group cut off from all access to the outside world. Even worse, one snooper hadn't made it back from the slopes when the avalanche hit. As each hour passes without any sign of rescue, panic mounts, the chalet grows colder, and the group dwindles further one by one. So a little on the nose in terms of winter, but I love a thriller any time of the year, especially something to kind of get you spooked up while you're cold. The second book that I want to talk about is actually our March selection. I happen to be a big fangirl of Ethan Joella. He has written a book called A Little Hope, but he also wrote A Quiet Life, which is coming out um, on November 29th. So it will have been published by the time that this airs. If you were looking for a huggable and heartwarming winter read, his book could not be more perfect. This is for readers who embrace character-driven stories set in small towns. This story is set in a close-knit Pennsylvania suburb in the grips of winter, and it follows three people grappling with loss and finding a tender wisdom in their grief. We have three characters. One is named Chuck. He has been looking forward to his annual trip to Hilton Head, and his wife passes away shortly before that trip, and it's kind of him being unable to let go of belongings and things around him because he is missing his wife so much and he's trying to decide if he's going to go on the trip alone we also have ella who delivers morning newspapers and works at a bridal shop to fill her days because she has been missing her daughter and we get to discover why she's missing throughout this story then we also have kirsten who has set aside her veterinary school aspirations and finding comfort in steady routines at an animal shelter but she's starting to realize that she needs different kinds of dreams and finding herself at a crossroads so we've got these three interconnected stories with characters all facing loss but discovering themselves and each other in the winter seasons now ethan joella is just a master of symbolism 
he finds things in everyday objects and makes them feel very profound and moving. Even something like a towel becomes very uh, beautiful as it moves throughout this story. He's got really great backstories. He also envelopes every one of your senses. So if you have a lot of, like you wanna feel all the things in one sentence, he's a great author for doing that. And if you love found family, which I think a lot of us do, this is one of those kind of intergenerational friendship stories with found family that I really love. So I can't say enough good things. Ethan Joella is also just, I feel like a bookstagram darling. He's just one of those people that really makes an effort as an author that you just want to see succeed. He's a professor during the day and he writes in his spare time, which I find so noble. And a fun fact about Ethan, because he was on the show, is that when he got selected as a bonus book for Jenna's book club, he got that announcement, but was unable to tell anybody because of the NDA agreement. So on his class day, he had to turn on the TV and he wasn't really sure if they were going to announce it. And they did, which oh. I was like, how embarrassing would that have been? If you're like, well, I'm just going to watch the Today Show or like, oh, maybe not and like turn it off. But um, even his family didn't know about it. And so I just think he has so much promise. And I think the second book is even better. So I'm just I could talk about him all day. My next pick is Sophie and the Bone Song by Adrian Tooley. Music runs in Sophie's blood. Her father is a music, one of only five musicians in the country licensed to compose and perform original songs. In the kingdom of Ael, where winter is endless and magic is accessible to all, there are strict anti-magic laws ensuring music remains the last untouched art. Sophie has spent her entire life training to inherit her father's title, but on the day of the auditions, she is presented with unexpected com competition in the form of Lara a girl who has never before played the lute. Yet somehow, to Sophie's horror, Lara puts on a performance that thoroughly enchants judges. Almost like magic, the same day Lara wins the title of music, Sophie's father dies, and a grieving Sophie sets out to prove Lara is using illegal magic in her performances. But the more time she spends with Lara, the more Sophie begins to doubt everything she knows about her family, her music, and the girl she thought was her enemy. As Sophie works to reclaim her rightful place as a music, she is forced to face the dark secrets of her past and the magic she was trained to avoid, all while trying not to fall for the girl who stole her future. And that is Sophie and the Bone Song by Adrian Tooley. So I'm wondering if you've read this because it is a more popular book. It's called These Silent Woods by Kimmy Cunningham Grant. Have you read this one? I'm looking at the cover now. Beautiful cover. Let's see. It's a thriller. I'm sure I've, I'm sure I've read it. Um, remote Appalachian, Appalachian Mountains. Yes, I have read this. Okay. Well, I thought it would be perfect because it is the remote Appalachian Mountains in the winter. Uh, this is really suspenseful. It's really engrossing. I ended up reading it, I think, and it just took me one day because I could not put it down. Mm -hmm. And I think what the bigger themes of it are, are like the complexities of forgiveness and trust. And it reminds us about being human, which I think that we all need those kinds of little nudges gently in life. Uh, mm -hmm. In this story, we have Finch and Cooper, 
And basically they are living in a really remote part of the Appalachian Mountains and everything has been going swimmingly so far. As as far as we know, they are able to like exist with the, the systems that they have in place, but they are supposed to get some food and supplies and it ends up not coming. And so that is kind of where we start to hit a turning point Right and immediately, Finch and Cooper have to go to the store and you can tell that it's causing everyone a lot of chaos because they are getting really edgy because they're not really supposed to be out and they don't want anybody to know that they are out. And you have to kind of uncover why they are being so secretive, why someone would not want anybody to see them and why they're worried about the cops knowing about them being out. It also, it turns out because of this, you know, delivery not happening, happening that an unexpected visitor that reminds Cooper of companionship ends up coming with those belongings and it really turns their story around. And I don't want to say too much because I feel like it's going to rob your readers of, of a really beautiful experience. But my friend Todd had just been going through a really bad reading slump. And I said, I think you should try these silent woods. And he sent me a message back the very next day and said, this was the best book. I was so swept away in it. And it's so good that I think I'm going to share it with my 13 year old because the messages of forgiveness, humanity, trusting in people, and also like this adventure story that's kind of woven in throughout makes it a really stunning atmospheric winter pick. So again, the title of that is The Silent Woods by Kimmy Cunningham Grant, if you haven't gotten it yet. All right. My next one is the story of a boy who died and a girl who wants to know why. This is Cold by Mariko Tamaki. Todd Mayer is dead. Now he's some sort of ghost hovering over his body, which has just been found in the town park, naked and frozen in the snow. As detectives investigate Todd's homicide, talking to the very people who are responsible for how he died, Todd replays the events that led him to his end in the park. Georgia didn't know Todd, but she can't stop thinking about him. Maybe it's because they're both outcasts at their school or because they're both queer. It might also be because Georgia has a feeling she's seen Todd somewhere before, somewhere he wasn't supposed to be. It's a very The Lovely Bones. Uh, it's a dual narrative told through the voices of Todd in his afterlife and Georgia as she uncovers the truth behind his death, resulting in an immersive, emotional, and provocative read. So that is Cold by Mariko Tamaki. The next one that I have is actually uh, a very old backlist book. And any opportunity that I have to be on someone else's show, I bring this book because it's an unusual pick. I don't hear a lot of people talk about it. And it's called Fingersmith by Sarah Waters. I don't know if you are familiar with Sarah Waters or if your listeners are, but she is this Welsh novelist, best known for her novels set in Victorian society, and they feature lesbian protagonists. And some of her books are very, very racy, so I just want to say that, but this is more in the slow burn fun. And the way that it's described is as Oliver Twist with a twist. So this book is so phenomenal. And I think that the blurb on this does such a sufficient job that I'm gonna share that first. So basically, Tender is an orphan. She's left as an infant in the care of Mrs. Suxby, a baby farmer who has raised her with unusual tenderness 
as if Sue were her own. And Mrs. Sexby's household with its fussy babies calmed with doses of gin also hosts a transient family of petty thieves, fingersmiths, for whom this house in the heart of a mean London slum is home. And one day the most beloved thief of all arrives, gentleman, an elegant con man who carries with him an enticing proposition for Sue. If she wins a position as the maid to Maud Lily, a naive gentlewoman, and aids gentleman in her seduction, then they will all share in Maud's vast inheritance. And once the inheritance is secured, Maud will be disposed of, passed off as mad, and made to live out the rest of her days in a lunatic asylum, with dreams of paying back in the kindness of her adopted family Sue ends up agreeing to this plan, but once she begins to pity her helpless Mark and care for Maud Lily in unexpected ways, which I'm hinting at, no one and nothing is as it seems in this novel of thrills and reversals. So basically, how I found out about this book was NPR Pop Culture Hour brought it as a book that made someone very happy. They talked about it at their end of year, the year that it came out, I think, which was like 2002. And she said she wishes that she could watch someone else read the book so that she could see their face. She would have sat there and watched someone read an entire book just for this one plot twist, which I will say I gasped out loud. I was like shooketh and I have, I read a lot of books and it was so smart and so well done. So if you have not dipped your toes in the Sarah Waters fun, it's Fingersmith and it's really, really fun. All right, next I have Breathless by Amy McCulloch. This is about journalist Cecily Wong, who is in over her head. She has come to Manslu, the eighth highest peak in the world, to interview internationally famous mountaineer Charles McVeigh on the last leg of a record-breaking series of summits. She's given up everything for this story. Her boyfriend, her life savings, the peace she's made with her climbing failures in the past. But this is a career-making opportunity. It could finally put her life back on track. But... When one climber dies in what everyone else assumes is a freak accident, she fears their expedition is in danger. And by the time a second climber dies, it's too late to turn back. Stranded on a mountain in one of the most remote regions of the world, she'll have to battle more than the elements in a harrowing fight for survival against a killer who is picking them off one by one. So I know, similar to one by one, but I like that kind of like, the the thing about winter, the thing about the cold is that it is isolating, it is dangerous, you've got a lot of built-in dangers just from the surroundings, like the environment is an additional character in the story, and I think that's really fascinating to play with, and I love to see how different authors work that into their pieces. So that was Breathless by Amy McCulloch. Okay, this last one is not necessarily winter themed, but I wanted to bring it because I know that sometimes it's nice to have a cozy fairy tale. And this is Daughter of the Moon Goddess. It's written by Sulin Tan. I loved it. I didn't think it got enough attention. I almost picked it for book club. It was just right on the cusp. It ended up just being we didn't have enough selections available, but I would like to pass it on to you. This uh, is so beautiful. It's the first in a fantasy series. It's called Celestial Kingdom is a series. This was published in January of 2022. 
Now, the blurb says this dazzling debut whisks readers away to a beautiful world full of mythological creatures and magic as a girl attempts to free her imprisoned mother, the moon goddess, and is forced to choose between family and the fate of the world. A new imagining of Chinese folklore, Tan's epic adventures, and coming-of-age tale will leave fantasy lovers eager for more. I could not stop listening to this. This was something that I picked up on audiobook. I want to say if you listen to the last stop i believe which was a ya romance the audiobook narrator if you enjoyed her voice it's the same voice for this one and it was a 15 hour book investment which is it's a little bit long but i could not put it down and the narration was just so so good it's not a young adult read but it reads like a young adult read I would not be surprised if this doesn't come up for an Alex Award because it's very readable for both young adults and adults. So if you're looking for something that you could share with your child around the winter season and you have a teen or tween that you want to involve in the reading experience, this is a really perfect book. I love the allegiances towards family and how family is super important. And it would make a great uh, book club book if you are in particular enjoying The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue as a pretty good example of a, a good contender lookalike. Uh, this one had lots of mythology in it and it was just so beautifully done. And again, it's called Daughter of the Moon Goddess by Sulin Tan. Amy, what a fantastic final title. My final pick is a collection of short stories from the legend herself, Agatha Christie. This is Midwinter Murder. You can kind of get yourself comfy, cozy, curl up in front of a crackling fire, get your hot tea, get, you know, get all comfy and cozy and snuggle in with these wintry whodunits. You have to beware the deadly snowdrifts, the dangerous gifts, the poison meals, and of course, the mysterious guests. This chilling compendium of short stories, some of which feature beloved detectives like Hercule Poirot and Miss Marple, is an essential omnibus for Christie fans and the perfect holiday gift for mystery lovers. That is Midwinter Murder by Agatha Christie. You might as well cozy up with some whodunits from Christie herself. Amy, thank you so much for taking the time to share a bit of your story with me today and tell my listeners about your overall just, I want to call it an experience of, of what they can kind of join in the, the mom advice ecosystem. Is there anything you'd like to kind of wrap up with or anything else that you'd like my listeners to know? Well, the, the one thing that I forgot to share, and this is just for readers that like like visual uh, affirmations for their reading life, <laughs> which who doesn't? Right. My thing when I was a kid, and I'm sure for many kids, was the book it pin when I was growing up was to earn my Pizza Hut pizzas. And we wanted to create that for our readers. And so every year we take all 12 and this year all 15 books and we send them to an artist to illustrate the spines of all the books and we put them on a shirt and people get a shirt every year that has all of the 15 spines illustrated and they wear it like a badge you, people can talk to you about your book club books and also it's just really fun to wear like you did with the book at pin when you were a kid so if you if you're interested in that and you don't even have to read the book some people buy the shirts just because they're bookish and i i respect the game <laughs> i mean i respect the game but also I don't know the last time I thought about the book at pin. Oh my gosh. Now I'm going to think about that for a while and 
maybe finally get like the last box out of my parents' house and see if I can find my book and bin in there. Take a picture. Do it. Exactly. Well, Amy, thank you so much for joining me today. And listeners, you can find all of our picks from this episode and links to Amy's info in the episode description. Um, remember, reach out for uh, any questions you might have. Send an email to professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Or of course, find us on social, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. Amy, once again, thank you so much for joining us today. And everyone, happy reading. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen Podcasts, visit evergreenpodcast.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer, Jill Grunewald, and Joe Skelly and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. We are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want. I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Today's couples have to juggle so many things, from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do, so you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. You are cordially invited to subscribe to The Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way.